Hi, I'm Rob and you're listening to the Teacher Planning Podcast. I'm here to simply help guide you towards quality, variety and consistent development as a teacher. You may have been teaching for 20 years or you may have been teaching for 20 days, but in my opinion, you never stop learning. The day you stop learning is the day the education system is failing. One thing you need to remember when listening to this is that you need to be open-minded. What works for someone else might not work for you and what works for you might not work for someone else. We're all here to share ideas. So enough of me talking, here's the pod. On today's podcast, I am joined by maths teacher, Chloe. Now, Chloe is in her third year of teaching, but judging by her roles and responsibilities within her school, you would have thought she'd be in her 30th year of teaching. Do you want to tell us a bit more about this, Chloe? Um, yeah, so uh, I am in my third year of teaching. Um, I did teach first at a school in Gloucestershire. Um, and then this last year, I've been lead practitioner at Marine Academy uh, in Plymouth. Um, I've moved schools. In my second year, in my NQT year, um, I was second in department at my last school and then have sort of moved on to lead practitioner at MAP. Well, that's some three-year journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been quite busy, but um, yeah, great. I've just sort of thrown myself into it and uh, really enjoy it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Who is it? I think it was Richard Branson said, be a yes person. If you get offered yeah. an opportunity to progress, give it a go, because otherwise you'll never know, will you? Yeah, and I think, you know, there's obviously been a challenge being young and early on in my career. Um, but I mean, I sort of I love that challenge. I think it's really enjoyable and I love my role um, and I sort of just throw myself in really. Um, so it's oh, well, well, good on you. Now, let's talk about today's lesson. Or I know you wanted to talk about a series of lessons. What, what are you going to discuss today? So today I'm talking about solving harder quadratics, so factorising hard quadratics. And what I mean by hard is with a coefficient of x squared greater than 1. So if I give you an example, Rob, uh, it would yeah. be something like factorise 2x squared plus 7x plus 5. And I've picked this because this is a topic, I think, where there are lots of different methods that teachers use to do this. There's not one fixed method. And I think it really fits into our philosophy as a maths department in teaching to deepen mathematical understanding and making sure that students really understand what they're doing. They're making the link to expanding brackets. They're not just learning a trick process for answering this question. They're really understanding what they're doing so that when they get to the exam, they have this deep understanding rather than just trying to pick out some random method that they've learned from their brain. Okay. And before we do start this today, you were saying before, Chloe, that you're going to be kind enough. You might even put together a little film or clip in which you show how to teach this. And I could make this clip available to listeners, couldn't I? Yeah, absolutely. We've been doing a lot of work on our YouTube channel, which I think I can link to the podcast with online lessons for students um, over lockdown. So I think I'm a bit of a pro at recording uh, modelling now. So uh, I think it's quite, I'll try and talk over it, but it's quite a complicated topic. So it might just be easier for me to do like a really short clip of modelling a question um, as I would do in the lesson. Yeah, well, I mean, that's some skill in itself, but I mean, this is <laughs> meant to be a real challenge for you today, doing it, trying to explain to people without having something in front of them in which you can show them. So there's your challenge for today. And yeah. without further ado, I'll let you crack on with your challenge. Cool. So I think before I start, I'm just, I'll just give a little bit of a context to the school because I think it fits into how we sort of plan lessons as a school and the consistency that we have as a school. 
And so uh, I'm at Marine Academy Plymouth and I think we're definitely on a journey. Um, I joined the school, like I said earlier, this year as lead practitioner in maths. And when I joined the results last year, uh, our progress rate was about minus one, um, which is obviously well below where it needs to be. And I think with, with our predicted grades, we would have had plus 0.1 progress. So an improvement of about 1.16, which would have made us undoubtedly the most improved school in the country um, and I think we've had a new head teacher a lot of new staff coming in we've had a completely new behavior system and a real focus on like teaching and learning consistent um, policies so I think we're all a bit gutted that we haven't got that proper set of results our A-level results yesterday showed a massive improvement we went from uh, minus 0 0.5 to plus 0 0.97 in progress 8 for our A-level results so that's Fantastic. plus 1.5 Four, seven, yeah, amazing. Like, re and I, I know you know you need to take it with a pinch of salt, but I think that's really testament to sort of all these policies that we've been introducing as a school. So it's a really exciting place to be, and I think it fits into my lesson for today, just with the routines that we sort of have for every single lesson. We try and have as much continuity um, across departments as possible. So if you were to do a learning walk, you would see the same structure and the same routines in the lesson in English as in science, as in uh, French or maths. And I think that's a really great thing about the school is that consistency there. Now, just to give listeners some context there, I think you heard Chloe talk about the A-level results from yesterday. So some of you may have guessed that I don't record these podcasts on the day I release them. So you might be a bit confused. So yes, this podcast would have been recorded in August <laughs> and sorry. you might be listening to it at a later date. So don't be too confused by that. I've now, given now away the secrets there. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Now you, you've given that really good context to this lesson, Chloe. What age groups would you be aiming this at? I know you said a particular year group and which would make sense, perfect sense to people in the UK. What age group would this be aimed at? So this would be uh, year 10 in the UK, which is 14, 15. Um, th this is a higher topic. So we have a system in the UK of maths exams being entered either higher or foundation. So this is definitely a higher topic. So I would expect sort of set one and set two to cover this material with potentially some extra scaffolding for a set two group. Okay, and what sort of stage of the year would you teach this? So this is one of the first topics that we do in, in the first cycle. So the first 10 weeks. But yeah. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Right. We've got some really, really good context to this lesson now. Got some good background to yourself. I'll let you fire away. Okay, cool. So um, like, like I said earlier, um, we have very fixed routines for how we start lessons in the school. So every lesson would start in the same way. A teacher would be thresholding um, as students enter the classroom silently from their silent corridor. Books would be laid out already. The starter would be projected on the board. And every single starter in the school or do now in the school follows the same structure. It's based on the Ebbinghaus forgetting curve, which I think whatever sort of teacher training programme you do, this is sort of thrown out there as a, a, a tool. So it's basically a way of getting material into students' long-term memory. So I think the first question is from 24 hours ago. The second question, we sort of have a vocab or sort of key skills question. So in uh, English or humanities, it would be vocab-based. In maths, I tend to make them like a key skill or formula recall or something that they need to do. Um, the third question is one week ago, the fourth question, two weeks ago, 
fifth question a month ago um, and it's just basically a way of sort of getting that material into long-term memory it's a proven sort of method yeah so that would be my starter we use students complete all work in absolute silence so I'd allow about eight minutes for a starter um, then probably with two minutes to mark which we'll talk about a bit more in a minute so the timer would be on they'd have eight minutes to do this in silence I would start circulating but before I do that I would stand sentry um, which just means standing at the front of the board scanning the room giving out positives correcting behavior giving warnings if students are talking uh, all lessons must be completed in silence and yeah just sort of scanning for compliance checking that everyone's working and then break the plane start circulating and just yeah that's how we okay. would do it now the vibe I'm correct me if I'm wrong <laughs> are you are you quite a strict teacher um, no, I would say that I am a warm, demanding teacher. I think <laughs> <laughs> to uh, drop a bit of Teach Life a Champion in there, which is uh, what we use at the school. I think we've got a really rigorous behaviour system. I think we've got really high uh, academic standards for all students. And I think we hold them to our high expectations. Um, I, I work in quite a, a deprived area of Plymouth. And I think we owe it to our students to get them the best results possible. And I think having those high expectations is the way to do it so i think you know i don't want them to come in slowly have a chat with me have a chat with their friends and waste five minutes i think every second really counts and they need to be working throughout the whole lesson it's really important information so i would say that i just use the behavior system and i'm positive with i think it's really important to be positive i think i give out like oh i don't know there's been lessons and i've probably given out about 30 positive points a couple to each student you know I think you've, you've just got to do a mix haven't you really you've got to have those high expectations that be positive at the same time yeah definitely sorry just a small observation I made from your uh, <laughs> from the regiment Look, I, I love it though I, I really love it and that's my style as well I think you've got to be bang on it from the offset so I mean I was only jesting there but I'm a big fan of this so right you've done your 10 minute starter including your two minute marking yeah, so the answers are displayed, students mark in green pen, and then I think there would be one question that I would decide before the lesson that I would want to go through, and um, potentially, or, or, you know, I would be informed throughout my circulating of a question that students were struggling on. And as this is retrieval practice, I would cold call whilst modelling that question, asking students how to answer it, um, and then modelling on the board. And students who got it wrong would then fill in the corrections. So I think in total, that's about 10 minutes for a starter. Um, I would do the register during that time as well, probably before circulating. Yeah. Okay, so you've got your starter. Uh yeah, and then all of our maths lessons follow the same routine, so we have a do now. We then have a key knowledge check straight after the do now, which is based, it's basically like a stepping stone into the main bulk of the learning. So it unlocks the knowledge that they might need for the rest of the lesson. So in this sequence of lessons, this would probably be the second lesson, factorising harder quadratics. So I would start off by doing um, a couple of questions on expanding brackets, and I would use whiteboards for this. So I think mini whiteboards are a really good AFL strategy. Um, we have again a set routine for the whole school of how we use mini whiteboards based on the sort of Brighton lines from Teach Like a Champion. I would count down three, two, one, and then show me, and students would all spin their whiteboards around at the same time, just ensuring that they're not sort of copying from their peers. And it's, it's nice, it sort of creates like a team spirit. I think yeah, that works really well. So I'd have three questions on expanding brackets, really getting students to make the link between expanding and factorising. And then about seven questions on factorising quadratics based on the previous lesson, just so it sort of reminds students 
what they're looking for. They're looking for two brackets. They're making the link between expanding and factorizing. They know that the two numbers need to multiply to make the term on the end because they've just expanded those brackets. They can remember the link between that um, and they need to add to make the number in the middle. And again, I would be explaining that link between expanding and factorizing, um, which is how we would have taught it in the lesson before. So that should be quite straightforward. But about six minutes, I think, probably six, seven minutes for that key knowledge check uh, whiteboard recall. Okay, and this whiteboard recall is generally quite successful, is it? I know there would be the odd occasion where there'll be some students who don't understand it, but let's, let's go on the premise today that students have got this. Okay, so we will have um, just focused on the key knowledge check with our mini whiteboards, and then moving on to the main bulk of the lesson, the modelling. So we have a very teacher-led direct instruction approach uh, to ne uh, learning. The teacher is the expert. Um, they impart the knowledge to students. Students watch in silence um, and then copy down the example. Um, you probably cold call a little bit throughout your later examples. But yeah, again, we've, we've moved away from group learning, discovery, maths, which I think was definitely a thing when I was at school, sort of you know measure this try and work out trigonometry from this and I, I mean I, I think that's a good thing I think you're the expert aren't you and you need to, I think we definitely have a philosophy of the teacher as the expert they impart the knowledge to the students. I've spoken to other teachers about this how yes you do like to limit teacher talk however you are the expert in the room you're not the first person to have said this luckily I've had, I've had <laughs> quite a few conversations about this so you need that time when you're you're doing the work yourself you're showing them how to do it and you're giving that perfect model yeah definitely yeah so i think that is a big part of the lesson i think and i think you know math lessons it's a luxury really that they can be so routine it makes it very easy for me to centrally plan these lessons is that each lesson follows the same structure but i think you know and i think that's the best way to do it there's teacher-led instruction and there's independent practice then you might elaborate on that modeling and then there's more practice um, and I think that is the best way to get students to learn maths is just to practice it and do lots of questions so yeah sorry going back to my uh, modeling normally um, we are a big fan of uh, Craig Barton variation theory um, sort of worked example your turn sort of paired practice which I know has been discussed on another podcast that you've done but I think in this lesson in particular I moved away a little bit from that when planning it um, just because it's a really difficult concept and I just wanted three examples where the teacher really clearly explains what they're doing why it works um, and models it for the student and I think the method that I use for this I'll try and explain a bit more now um, and I will do a little video of it um, because it is tricky um, is just a very like it, it's logical, it always works, and it makes a clear link um, to expanding brackets and it gives students that deep mathematical understanding. So I'll try and, I'll try and talk through an example here. Um, cut me off if uh, it's, it's very confusing, Rob. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so the first question would be factorise 2x squared plus 7x plus 5. So my, my first step would say, okay, we know it's quadratic, how, how many brackets are they going to be and I would hope that I taught this well enough for students to know that they would that you know it's the opposite of expanding there would be two brackets um, and I would say okay so this time we're multiplying to make 2x squared so what two terms multiplied together to make 2x squared what numbers are going to uh, what terms are going to be at the front of my two brackets um, and I would cold call this and students would say 
hopefully. I mean, they, 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 I've not, they normally get this step. So they, this is fine. Um, 2X and X, which I would then fill in. And I would probably draw a little line and just say, okay, well, when you times these two together, you get 2X squared. Again, making the link between expanding and factorizing. Um, this is when my table strategy comes in. So I would draw a table and I would say, okay, so this is a little bit different, this question. My two coefficients are two and one for my x terms at the front of my bracket. So in my table, I would put a two and a one. Okay, and I'd be like, okay, this is a little bit different. And I'd say why this is different is because your number in this bracket, um, in the second bracket, would be multiplied by two x rather than just being times by x. So I said this is going to change how we do things um, from the previous questions that we've been looking at. So I would then say, okay, we're just going to think it through logically. We know that the two numbers at the end of the bracket need to multiply to make five. We know that when we times out these two terms, they multiply to make the number on the end. So I need two numbers that multiply to make five. And my first two examples, I would use prime numbers for the coefficient of x squared and uh, the number on the end as easier examples just to work through this method. Again, I'll, I'll do this in a video because I'm, I'm starting to feel it getting a bit confusing. And I'd say, what two numbers multiplied together to make five? And students would say uh, one and five. I would then be like, right, we've got two options for where we could put our one and our five. We could either put the one in this bracket and the five in this bracket, or the one in this bracket and the five in this bracket. And I'd probably draw it in on my whiteboard and rub it out. And I'd say, okay, what do our terms, when expanded, what do they need to add to make? And the students would say, 7x. And I'd be like, okay, so we need to multiply this out so that the two terms add to make 7x. Again, making the link between expanding and factorizing. I would then put my five and my one in the table and I would work through, I'd say, okay, so if the five is in this column, that means that it's being multiplied by the 2x. So that means it would be in the second bracket. And then the one would be in the first bracket, um, and I'd say, okay, so we need to think about what these terms are going to add to make. So I say, right, we've got our five being multiplied by the two X, that would give us 10 X. The one being multiplied by the one X, that would give us one uh, X, that would add to make 11 X. And then we'd cross that out in that row in the table because we're not looking for 11 X, we're looking to make seven X. And I use um, different colored pens to show what they're trying to add to make. Um, again, I've got a photo on my Twitter um, of that. And then we'd look at the next option, the one in the two column, so in the uh, second bracket and the five in the first bracket, so in the one column. And then we'd say, okay, if the one's being multiplied by the two X, that would give us two X. If the five is being multiplied by the one X, that would give us five X, so that adds to make seven X. That's the answer we want. And I'd show them how we put that in the bracket. So, I mean, you've done very well to uh, listen to that confusing explanation, but I think it's basically a step-by-step -step logical process, making the link between expanding and putting it back in brackets and really getting students to understand where each term comes from. I need them to know how it links to expanding brackets and why it works and that this method will work for every single quadratic and they just think about what they're doing and that's how they'll remember how to do it. They're not learning a complicated trick to do it. They're actually understanding it sort of from first principles, really. Yeah, I, I mean, I was just going to comment. I, I'm definitely not mathematically minded. And when you were explaining that, I was literally picturing as if I yeah. was in your classroom and I could see that yeah. table on the board. I could see you working between yeah. the brackets and we're trying to get to five and, and seven and so on. And 
if, if I can picture this from your explanation, which I thought was a really good explanation, if I can picture it, I'd like to think that, be, that there would be math teachers who could picture it themselves. So I, <laughs> I, I thought you did that part really well. Okay, well, I'll, I'll put it in a video anyway, just, just in case, but yeah. <laughs> okay, so how long would you be spending on, on the explanation? Like I said, this I've got three examples here and I would slowly go through each one, really making sure that students understand um, where each number comes from and how it links. And I'd probably actually factorise one and then expand it out again, just so that they're really clear on the link between the two. So I've put about 10 minutes for this. Um, this is probably longer than I would spend modelling a couple of questions normally. But again, like I mentioned previously, it's quite a trick. I, I really want students to understand every step uh, from first principles. So probably about 10, maybe 11 minutes. Again, it's a little bit reactionary. I think it's also based on how your students are doing. If they're like flying through it, it would probably be a bit less time. Um, but I envisage that you might, especially if you're teaching a set to this, you might, get that you, you might get some students who struggle. So just spending as much time as you need, really. And where would this lead you on to? What would you then be um, doing in your lesson after this? So they would then have some extended practice so there's some questions that I've got on the next slide for them to practice exactly the same. Um, the coefficient for x squared is prime. The number on the end is prime. So keeping it straightforward, they don't have too many things to think about. Um, and I've put four questions here. The first three, I've drawn the table and I've put the brackets in for the students um, just to make sure that they know, they know the first step for that working. I've scaffolded that it there really and then the fourth question they've got to do that themselves work out the table but again it's prime so it would be quite straightforward I think again this is where I want I want teachers to model this in the same way but I understand that you know if you've got different groups you might need extra scaffolding you might want the table for the fourth question or you might take out the table for the third or second question and get students to draw it by themselves I think it's a little bit you sort of reacting as a teacher to the students that you've got I think they need to be able to access the knowledge and they need to have modeled it in the same way but that you know the, the teacher will potentially want to add in some extra questions but yeah so I think about 10 minutes then for that extended practice again in absolute silence teachers circulating whilst they're doing that okay so we're roughly half an hour into the lesson here are we I have got about 35 minutes in, if, if I'm doing my maths correctly, about 38 minutes in, yeah. Okay, and how long have you got left of the lesson at this point? It's an hour-long lesson, okay. so about 20 minutes left. Okay. So I then would move on to my second bit of modelling, and this would be then solving quadratics, harder quadratics, so equal to zero. So I would still keep um, the number, the coefficient prime, so there's only one table, but I'd potentially introduce a number, so the example that I've got here is 2x squared plus 11x plus 15 equals zero, so it's not a prime number on the end, but there are only two ways that you could multiply to make 15, 5 and 3, or 1 and 15, so again, it's a little bit trickier, um, but I haven't introduced a coefficient of x squared that isn't prime yet, so just one step up really, um, and solving to equal zero, which is the next step. For this question, I have used worked example your turn, just because it's a process. I'm, I'm, I'm confident now, moving on to this stage, that students have practiced the method. They're gonna get you know, me showing them again and then linking it to the next step. So they'll be continuing to practice um, this key method and skill, um, but they're just bringing it up to the next part of the learning, solving equal to zero. So you say that, 
you do one example and then they would do the next one. So instead of you demonstrating three examples, four examples on the board, it'd be you do one and then they do one themselves. Yeah, that is basically exactly the same, but just slightly different numbers. I've put two, um, two work example, two your turns. But I think again, as a teacher, you might think, oh, students are super confident with this. I'll just do one and one, or you might want to use that second example to cold call throughout to check for understanding. I think this is where, again, you've got a little bit of flexibility based on the students that are in your group and how they've responded to their previous material. Okay, so this would take you how long? for this section of the lesson um, i've put about another 10 minutes roughly um probably a bit less actually probably about eight minutes eight to ten minutes i think really again just i would want to really clearly model with the table again cold calling students throughout um the process just to really make sure that students have understood okay so this is taking us towards the final 10 15 minutes of this particular lesson yeah, yeah. which direction are you going to be taking from here so they would then do three quick questions to practice that. So again, just applying that knowledge that they've just learnt uh, with three quick questions. We would then probably include this in the key knowledge um, section of the next lesson. But I would want them, to, if I've just introduced a bit of learning, they then need to practice it um, to make sure that they understand it and they've got it in their books written down really clearly. So yeah, so three quick questions, about seven minutes for that. So it's taken me to about 57 minutes, 56 or seven minutes with time to tick that in green pen. Um, and again, to speculate as the teacher to see if there are any uh, gaps in the knowledge here um, that you could pick up on in the next lesson. Um, and then that takes us to our final three minutes where we have newly introduced um, an exit ticket for students. And I know that lots of schools have got really good ways of using exit tickets, um, which I would be interested to hear actually, because this is something new that we have introduced um, so I've got two questions that would be as an exit ticket and I think we're sort of playing around a little bit as a department would they do this in their books would they do it on a post-it note would they do it on a whiteboard uh, we haven't really decided on that yet I think we're just going to see how it goes a little bit in the first few weeks of term um, and then decide going on from there so it'd be interesting to have some feedback from uh, other people on how they use exit tickets successfully yeah, well, people get in touch and uh, give Chloe some advice here. Yes, please do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you talked about this lesson fitting in within the unit. Where yeah. exactly does this fit in? So uh, it's on a unit on quadratic equations. So we would start by doing a couple of, a lesson probably on expanding brackets. I think you're teaching a top set group in year 10, that probably wouldn't take you longer than one lesson. You would hope, they've definitely done it before. So you would introduce hard expanding brackets, again, like with coefficients of X um, in the bracket. Um, your, your, your first lesson on the factorizing would probably be your second lesson in the unit, um, and it would just be factorizing quadratics. I would explain to students from, from the off that there are however X many ways to factorize factorizing complete the square and the quadratic formula um, and I would talk through the, the way that the series of lessons is going to go with those three techniques uh, and I would explain that we're going to start off with factorizing and then I think probably three lessons on factorizing your first lesson would be with no coefficient for x squared um, positives and then moving on to introducing some negatives potentially that might then feed a little bit more into this lesson that I've discussed today again in our scheme of work I've given a bit of catch up time so that if you sometimes have topics that 
take a bit longer with your group you've got that space to do that I think there's a couple of lessons in each um, unit to catch up really or to do exam practice um, we, we have exam practice um, consistently exam question booklets um, on everything that we're teaching so feasibly by the end of year 11 all students have done every exam question if, if you manage to get through that as a teacher and then I think your third lesson so this would be your second lesson the, uh, sorry, the second lesson of quadratics so your third lesson in the sequence um, would be these harder quadratics and then I would probably spend another lesson on this um, as I've only focused on prime numbers at the end so I'd spend one more lesson where you then start to introduce negatives or a number that isn't a prime number as a coefficient of x squared where you have then two tables and then potentially you might want to spend another lesson just doing extended practice on that. Probably about three lessons on factorising in the middle of your unit. Okay, okay, so this you said that this was lesson number two of the factorizing. Yep, yep. Okay, yep. I'm just trying to clarify that for myself and <laughs> for the listeners as well. This is, this is a higher group though, this is probably a, a set one year 10 group. So if you had set two, I would want you to cover the same material, but it might take you a bit longer introducing some extra scaffolds. And I think that's how we focus as a school, we don't differentiate we just scaffold up to the top I'd want all of my higher students to be able to access this the teacher might need to introduce some more scaffolds throughout the lesson okay so in this lesson Chloe you it appears to me that you've worked quite hard yourself as a teacher because like you say you are the expert and you are introducing this new information to the students would you be working as hard in all of the other lessons would you be explaining so much or would it be more a case of you know this now this is your chance to practice i think like i said our lessons all follow the same sort of structure there's normally two points in the lesson where you would model something and then there would be independent practice straight after i think this probably has a higher ratio of teacher modeling just due mainly to the difficulty of the the, the subject but you would always have teacher modeling twice at least in each lesson but there probably would be a higher ratio of independent practice for another topic and I think I would still want students to practice this which is probably why you'd introduce a third lesson on this modeling and the, the new skill and then getting students to practice it for a longer period of time okay fantastic and I know you've obviously taught this previously is there anything that you would do differently to this particular lesson of which you've talked about today? Well, interestingly, when I taught this lesson before, um, it was before we had finalised our re like regimented structure for centrally planned lessons. Um, I didn't have a, a year 10 higher group uh, this year. It, did, it didn't come up in this scheme this year. So I haven't taught this since I was at my last school where I had uh, a top set 10, 11. So I think I reflected when planning this unit definitely on how how it went with my previous group and I think I think I've always used this method of really clearly linking it to expanding brackets um, and feeding that in to the key knowledge check was the most important change I think that I meant I really I think students really need to understand that link between expanding and factorizing and so I'm going to play observer here where in this lesson would I see any different differentiation taking place you wouldn't see differentiation taking place because I would want all students to access all of the questions. 
but you would see different levels of scaffold for different groups. So like I said earlier in my extended practice, they're all using the same method with the table. On the, sl on the slides that I've created, I've included the tables for three of the questions and left the fourth one without a table. If you had a second set group, you might include a table for the fourth question um, and you as a teacher might start students thinking about the process. So they might write the factors required for each of the question and start students thinking about where they would put each number in the table. But I would expect all students to get to each of these questions and be able to answer them with the use of a scaffold. Okay, that's brilliant. I mean, I really liked how you said, first of all, well, actually, there's not differentiation. However, the reason for this is you can justify everything in your lesson, which is if I was observing, I'd say, okay, fair enough. You, I'd stop <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> I think we're just really passionate about the way that I think, you know, we've worked really hard as a maths department to sort of come up with a vision for how we want students to learn. And, it, and I think it fits with the vision of the school. And so I think we're just all really passionate about getting this modelling to the, the best way that it can be. And I think we've sort of been, we're in the privileged position of having an hour a week that isn't a department meeting. So we don't discuss any admin. We just, as a team, we decide on the best way to model a particular topic. And then we all model in exactly the same way with common language, with the philosophy of really deepening mathematical understanding it does happen with timetables that you have a different teacher for year 9, 10, 11 in maths and you don't want it to be that you've learned one method with Miss X and then you've learned another method with Miss Y and it's just really confusing for students we have complete consistency. Yeah well I mean I can I can get the passion from the way you're speaking so <laughs> it does come across. Now in that in that previous answer you just gave me you talked about a powerpoint that you might use or yeah. and again you talked before about different questions that you give to the students at the start of the lesson would you be willing to make these available for listeners at all if they wanted to see this and if I, i'll say that I, i'll say yes and then i'll just take out the icons and i'm sure that'll be fine okay right so we've gone through a couple of different questions from the lesson i'm going to give you the 30 second challenge now chloe okay ah, exciting okay. yeah okay. so i'm going to ask you to summarize the structure and content of this lesson which you've just talked about inside 30 seconds okay yep. in yep. three two one let's go so all lessons start with the do now following the ebbing house forgetting curve completely consistent with the rest of the school we then move on to a key knowledge check i would use mini whiteboards in this lesson really linking the expanding brackets and factorizing from the previous lesson teacher modeling then um, introducing my new method of doing this students all drawing out the tables so three questions uh, then independent practice then expanding on that getting students to solve equations independent practice then an exit ticket I just went over. Ah, <laughs> uh, just 33 seconds. But you know what? That was really good. It was really clear, really concise. I think as concise as it can be when you're talking about a lesson like that. Yeah, yeah, I but hope so. <laughs> I thought that was really good, Chloe. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been really good to talk to you. It has been really, really helpful. Thank you. And I, I would love to speak to you more in the future about anything else from your lessons and anything teaching and learning in, in which you'd like to speak about, it'd be great yeah. to have you on again. Could you let us know where people can find out maybe a bit more about you, Chloe, or where you'd like to post your resources? Yeah, so um, on Twitter, it is at Miss Hiking Math. Um, and then there is a link on there to our YouTube channel, which is Map MAP YouTube, um, which is where I've 
over the over lockdown filmed a lot of uh, lessons so on loom which is really good um so yeah loads of recorded lessons on there which sort of fits with part of our scheme of work brilliant i'm sure the way you've spoken today i'm sure there'll be so many people who would be thinking yeah i'd, I'd <laughs> want to hear a bit more about this so thank you so much again for today chloe i really appreciate that no it's been great thank you for having me bye bye Thanks for listening to this week's Teacher Planning Podcast. I really hope that this will help you in your practice and to ultimately help your students. If there are any subjects and topics that you would like to hear ideas on, please get in touch at teacherplan@outlook.com or reach out on Twitter or Instagram where you can find me at Teacher Planning Podcast. I would also love to hear feedback to give you the best listening experience possible. Keep educating, keep learning.